Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. My name is Mike Wynn. I am one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this weekly radio show. I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Today is Friday, March 5th, 2021, and we have a great show in store for you today. I am joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Gary Traversa. Cops Bureau Commander. How you doing, Lieutenant? Good morning, Chief. Good. Thank you. <laughs> and also joining us today, we have Sergeant John Mazio, who wears many, many hats in the department. And Officer Sean Garropy, who, in addition to being a talented patrol officer and a field training officer, is also the president of Patrol Officers Union. And uh, these gentlemen have been very involved over the last couple of weeks in some uh, recruiting and retention efforts, and we're going to spend most of the show talking about that. Thanks for tuning in to another w- new episode of On Patrol with the PPD. Lieutenant, I know I've said it for the last several weeks, but I'm just going to say it again. I'm done with this weather. I'm done. Right? What do they say about March? In, in, in like, like a, a lion, lion out like, like a lamb. lamb. <laughs> uh, all right. Enough of the lion already. <laughs> if it's going to be sunny, it needs to be warm. All right. I want to talk about a couple, very briefly about a couple local news items and then I'm going to spend a little bit more time talking about a, a news item that is by no means local. Uh, having the two of you in studio as our guest this morning is actually going to save me a couple emails. So the first uh, news article I want to draw your attention to is actually from the front page of this morning's Berkshire Eagle and I just it's you know not only is it a great testament to what's been happening um, with the COVID-19 response here in Berkshire County it's just a oh, great human interest story. So if you haven't seen today um, check it out the main story on the front page, um, uh, Mr. Rick Bua of Clarksburg, who was the first diagnosed patient with COVID-19 in Berkshire County, um, he was vaccinated at our clinic. And it's just, it, it's, you know, several touch points. So Nurse Leslie Drager, who is kind of like the, the clinic lead, one of the clinic leads for us here in Pittsfield, uh, was also his contact tracer. And so um, he had just he had just completed a course of chemotherapy. He got sick. He was put in touch with Leslie. He and his family were put in touch with Leslie so she could begin the contact tracing. They had the opportunity to meet um, after he recovered, and she actually uh, was the nurse who provided his, his vaccination yesterday. So kind of a cool little story. Um, the other local story, it's also from the front page of Today's Eagle, and I'm not going to get into a ton of details about it, but there's a story about um, non-union city staff to step closer to pay raises. And so I actually had to, because we have staff that's impacted by this, and to bring some of these requests to the Personnel Review Board a couple weeks ago and then sit through O&R, Ordinance and Rules, last week. And I'm not going to get into the details of the meeting. You can go watch it. Um, it was pretty contentious. But one of the things, and this has been consistent not only for my time as the chief of police, but even when I was on the command staff assisting the previous chief, is you know, we'll have times when it appears that the city is in um, financial straits, right? I mean, the city of Pittsfield has struggled economically in many years. Um, and so the the response for some people is, you know, it's fiscally responsible. We have to hold the line. No raises, no raises, no raises. And in, in some cases, I can understand that. But when department heads, the human resources director, the mayor come to you and say, it's, 
you know, we have we've discovered something and it's a matter of inequity. We have some key staff who went years without raises. They weren't even receiving uh, cost of living allowances because they're not represented by a union. They didn't get to negotiate. When we start to see in in our pay rates in Pittsfield and in Berkshire County, comparably to the rest of the Commonwealth, are incredibly low to begin with. Um, but that's okay because the cost of living is 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 better as well. So it, it's a trade off. But when we see people who are falling farther and farther behind from their peers and their colleagues, sometimes you just have to make the adjustment because it's the right thing to do. It's not about our revenue. It's not about you know what's going to happen with the budget. It's about taking care of your people. Um, and these twenty some odd members of the city's staff who have in many cases are long-term members they've they've been ignored uh and sometimes it's time just to step up and do the right thing and take care of people so that's my two cents on that sorry so the third news item i want to draw your attention to is not a local news story and uh, i debated whether i was going to bring this up today because it it's still playing out and in light of everything that's happened in the last couple of years um particularly in the last year with police reform um you know i don't i, I don't want to like draw a target on my back and have people start pitching daggers but i was listening to a podcast last night from some gentlemen I, I follow who happen to be law enforcement officers, but they also happen to train jujitsu. And so I think everybody here knows uh, I, I train jujitsu. I have been for a number of years. Um, but the podcast last night, these guys um, from uh, uh, the Invictus Jiu-Jitsu Collective, which is a group of law enforcement officers from around the country and the world who train jujitsu. They interviewed a gentleman named Major Jake King. He's a command member in the Marietta, Georgia Police Department. And I was aware of this story because it started trending in some jujitsu pages and sites online last week, but I hadn't seen the details. Um, And it's a little bit, it's a little bit misleading because the headline when you see it out there is, Marietta Police Department makes jiu-jitsu training mandatory for all members. And that's not quite the case, right? It's um, What they did is they made it mandatory for all new hires. Basically, they said, if you want to come on with this job while you're prepping and get ready to go to the academy, you have to start training jiu-jitsu. And they figured out a way to do it at no cost to the new members and cover workman's comp. Their, their demonstrated, documented decrease not only in overall uses of force, but in injuries to subjects and injuries to officers is dramatic. Dramatic. And by the way, veteran officers who didn't want to train, uh, when they saw what the new officers were getting out of it, they decided to go, and they've had a couple officers lose lose over 25 pounds. So they're having health and wellness benefits as well. Um, I didn't get a chance to read the study yet. It's it's queued up in my to-do list for things to do. Georgia is is not Massachusetts. You know they don't have unions. No disrespect, right? They don't have to deal with that. Um, there's some there's some stuff that they don't have to deal with with procurement law. But I'm telling you, as a as a law enforcement professional, as a defensive tactics trainer, and as a jujitsu practitioner, if we're serious about police reform, if we're serious about police accountability, if we're serious about police transparency, if we want to reduce incidents of unnecessary uses of force, this is a solution. Um, and I don't know how we're going to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. (laughs) I'm going to figure this out because one of the points that, um, 
Major King made, and we see this with some of our new officers. If we hire somebody and they have never been in a physical confrontation, and we send them to the academy, and they're trained to use some tools and some skills in a particular way, and then we get them out of the academy, and they're going to get 8, 12, maybe 16 hours of defensive tactics a year for the rest of their career. The first time they are in a full-on fight, chances are they're going to panic. And if they panic, chances are they're going to do something that at least is going to look bad. Whether it's good, bad, or otherwise, it's going to look bad. Um, and they showed that the one of the reasons that this program was so successful is if you're getting on the mat every week and you're rolling around with somebody in a controlled environment, but you're really, it's live sparring, right? You're less likely to panic. You're less likely to panic. And the reality is that jujitsu has the gentle art. Um, it has potential to dramatically reduce uses of force. So got to take a look at that. That's my last news article. Uh, before we get into the topic of today, I forgot during the introduction for our viewers at home, uh, it may not look it, but we actually we're, we're, we're six feet apart, separated by glass, and we've all been vaccinated. So yes, we took our masks off for this show, but we're, we're healthy and safe and we're complying with the protocols. All right. So gentlemen, Sergeant Mazio, Officer Garrapi, good morning. Thanks morning. for joining us. Good morning, Chief. How's everything going? Good. So good. we're we're uh, business as usual. Business as usual, <laughs> which nobody knows what business as usual means for us, right? Which um, means every day is different. Every day is different. <laughs> you, you know what? I just um, before we get into the the, the recruiting and hiring stuff, I just got to give you and your team a shout out. Uh, I have been collecting the letters of support from the federal delegation and uh, from some of our um, other law enforcement partners. And I got a, I got a phone call, phone voicemail message Friday afternoon. Um, the proposal has, is going from New England Haida to ONDCP this week. So for our listeners and viewers for the last several years, Sergeant Mazio has kind of been managing a team uh, alongside Captain Grady that includes our intelligence analyst Amanda Stebbin and uh, investigator T.J. Bowler. And essentially, they've been compiling data and statistics and writing a narrative to um, allow us to submit a petition to the federal government to receive a um, high-intensity drug trafficking area designation, which would uh, result in us getting dedicated federal resources to combat drug trafficking organizations. Uh, and the process has been lengthy and cumbersome with revisions flying back and forth between the department uh, and some of our local counterparts and New England Haida. But they accepted the last version that we sent and we're now soliciting the letters of support. So we expect our proposal or petition to be heard by the Office of National Drug Control Policy sometime this spring. So nice job. Thank you. It, it was a lot of work. Yes, it was a lengthy process. It was a, a lot lengthy of process, a lot of work. Uh, you know, a lot of gaining all that data and information and compiling that to put that in there. It's, you it, know, it's time consuming. If my wife is listening, she's going to be very, very <laughs> angry. Uh, but completely coincidentally, the length of time that you've been managing this project for us nearly identically corresponds to the length of time she has been in her doctoral program. The petition is as complicated as her thesis. <laughs> it's, it's got as many sources and, and resources and references and pages as, as her thesis. And that's not to, to disrespect the hard, hard work that she has been doing on her doctoral thesis, but um, 
you know, you're not going to get a PhD out or, or EDD out of this. No, it's a lot of work. No, and it was it was it was a lot and a great uh, team effort too. It was, you know, not one person. You know, everybody worked together and you know yeah. worked on every aspect of it to make sure that it all had everything in it that's needed. All right, so let's get to the meat and potatoes of why we're here today. We're we're breaking from our uh, little tentative schedule that the lieutenant and I had agreed on. We're trying to get all the field training teams um, through here, but the field training team that is up next is actually on a scheduled day off today, so we're going to bring them in on time off. But the current group in field training is the most recent group of our probationary officers to make it through the academy. And as has been the case and the pace for the last several years, a group comes out of the academy, and as they come out, we're automatically starting the process of getting ready to bring another group on. And so what we have going on right now simultaneously is background investigations for a group of candidates off the current requisition and a tentative date for an upcoming police officer's exam. Uh, hopefully to be held this summer. And so between the background investigations and the extra effort that has to go into making people aware of the potential for the exam, our recruiting effort, that's also a lot of work. And again, it's not work that can be done when people are filling squad cars and answering calls for service. So it's all collaterally assigned. Um, And again, Sergeant Mazio always has a lot going on. Officer Garropy also always has a lot going on. And for some reason, when there's something that special projects needs to uh, needs to facilitate through the cops division, you are among two that suddenly are, are right back in there no matter where it is. So, um, just a ton, right? The I don't even know where we want to start. Let's, because it's probably going to be shorter, to talk about this part. Let's talk about the background investigations for the team that's on the current requisition, and then we can spend the bulk of the show talking about recruiting and selection. So currently right now we um, we have an open requisition for six patrol officers, and um, we got 15 applicants um, that signed the civil service list. Um, out of those, uh, some people decided to withdraw in the process for various different reasons. We have five that withdrew so we have 10 backgrounds for trying to fill six positions um so that at the end of january we received all the applications from the candidates and those were distributed out to the background investigation team and the background investigation team consists of um, supervisors command staff um, sergeants detectives investigators and field training officers so there's a wide variety of individuals in the department that actually conducts the background investigations Um, a lot of them have investigative uh, backgrounds detective background um, history Um, and some most of them have gone through training to actually do background investigations so right now we're in the middle of that that's set to be concluded within the next uh, week or two uh, March 19th is, is pretty much the end date. Everybody has to have all their information in. And then after that aspect is done, then we're going to um, give recommendations for individuals for um, chief's interviews. But, you know, everything's full swing right now. Backgrounds usually take, you know, sometimes four to six weeks, six to eight weeks, depending on how involved they are. Um, our, our application for the department is very lengthy, very involved. And if you're shy about what your past is or about where you've lived or what you've done, then it's not the application for you to fill out because, 
you know, with law enforcement and the way that we're held to a higher standard, we go through every aspect of your life, um, you know, mainly within the last 10 years, but all the way until you were young. So, you know, that takes a lot to investigate, speak to people, references and, and previous dating relationships, employers, um, just to ensure that it's a candidate and an individual that, you know, meets our standards for the for the department. So two things. And. You know, because you've been involved in background investigations for a long, long time. So our background investigation process is constantly evolving. It, it's certainly more comprehensive and a lot more involved than um, when I came on or even when I was doing background investigations. Uh, and it doesn't stop automatically when you get brought on board. Right? It's you know at some point we have to close the background investigation. But background investigations can be open and continue well into or through the academy and so two two things that um have happened recently the first one i guess it would be it, it was kind of in the works already but it became top of mind and and priority following the january 6th insurrection in washington dc is a national call to make sure that police background investigations include a deep examination for any uh, propounded extremist beliefs on on either fringe right and so uh what well, we always look at social media this group we actually looped intel in to to do a deeper dive um to see if there's stuff that our regular investigators through their normal tools wouldn't be able to find so in response to national demands you know a little bit more Depth, or in this case, it's probably breadth, right? Like we we look at social media anyway, but we may not have the ability routinely to look as broadly. So Intel's going to help with that. Um, but the other one, and this is a recent <laughs> occurrence, um, first time for me in in any background investigation I've been involved in is sometimes we'll because you mentioned you know previous dating relationships, and sometimes we'll we'll be successful in finding someone, but you know people have relationships and the the applicants self-disclose who those were with and for a variety of reasons sometimes people don't want to talk to us or they're they're not entirely forthcoming right they, they may want to see the candidate be successful and get a job and you know there, there may be child support issues or alimony you know there could be a variety of reasons so they want to see the person get a job and then something happens and they get more open <laughs> and so um you know we we recently terminated an employee who was well into the academy because stuff from their particularly from their dating past came up as a result of a, a more recent incident and you know what hey, we keep digging we're gonna do that right we have to um so it was unfortunate that we had to let that employee go but we did Absolutely. And on the technology part, like you're saying, I mean, the, the social media stuff has been checked, but, you know, getting that, the crime analyst and getting that information to get that, that, that ability to look at archive stuff, to look right. at things that we, we aren't able to do, you know, as investigators, it's tougher for us and the more resources they have just puts on, you know, a much better candidate and, and gives a, a better look at their their background than we were able to do in well, the past. So after January 6th, I was interviewed by one of the local media outlets and said, are you going to start checking for this, these beliefs? I'm like, well, we always, we've always checked. But the nature of social media, particularly the stuff that's not like, you know, dark web encrypted, if, if you don't put it there, we're not going to find it, right? So if somebody is a, 
you know, extremist in any regard, and they want to be a police officer, the likelihood that they're going to put that up on their public profile is pretty small. On the other hand, if they are engaged in that type of activity, there's a chance that they're involved in some organizations or groups out there that this stuff may not show up on their personal profile, but it's possible Intel can find it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's, that's the expansion of the look there. Because, again, if somebody really sincerely wants to be a police officer, they're not going to be out there espounding their extremist beliefs because uh, they know we're going to look. Right. So, all right. Anything else about the backgrounds, John? Nope. No. So just... For our listeners and viewers at home, I just have to, this, we talk about this, we've been talking about this since we started the program. For one day last week, our staffing count showed us at 94 out of 95 sworn slots filled. And we've talked about it in the past, two of those slots were people who were, we, you know, internally we refer to them as cadets. They're, they've been brought on off the list, but for a variety of reasons, normally physically, they can't get into or complete the academy. So, you know, in order to prevent them from being poached by other police departments. We bring them in and they help in a variety of ways. Um, one of our candidates has for the last couple of months been assigned to the health department. He's been doing contact tracing efforts. So, you know, we it's it's new for us to use off, uh, pr- prospective officers in this capacity, but it actually saves us money in the long run because we're not completing the background investigations and training on somebody who then gets picked off by another department. Yeah. Uh, so 94 out of 95 slots filled for one day. And we couldn't um, we couldn't stop there because we knew we had three pending retirements, right? So at best we're going to be at ninety one out of ninety five sometime during the you know summer. So we'd open that requisition, and then in one day I got the announcement that we were going to have two resignations before the retirements came in, mm. and then yesterday a third um, for a couple different reasons, right? One officer wants to change careers uh, in the current climate we're working in they've decided they're gonna you know go do something else gotta respect that more power to them one officer uh has no college degree and um in our department if you don't have education because of the way our pay is structured our base pay for patrol officers with no college degree is fairly low and he got a significantly higher he had an offer from a department that can pay him significantly higher and will help him um go to college can't fault them there and one of our cadets um who has been you know rehabbing trying to get into the academy and has struggled um was given the opportunity to go do some investigative work in a in a non um in a non-municipal agency and you know you gotta protect your self-interest can't fault him there so 94 out of 95 91 out of 95 or 88 out of 95 <laughs> the struggle is real so this requisition for six is is barely keeping us apace yeah and you know we'll discuss it more when we get into the hiring process but when you're looking at a requisition date when we pull the list to when they're actually hired academy trained and ready to go solo on patrol you're a year and a half almost two years into it and that you know you can start today but it's a long lengthy process to get to that point to have that number be affected we we all, i don't remember who we had uh, in the last couple of weeks it was one of our new probationers it might have been um probationary officer dube we always say if everything goes exactly as planned and it never does um from the minute you come in and sign the list 
it's a it's a minimum of a year. If everything goes well, it's a minimum of a year. And what the sergeant is talking about is ahead of that time, between the time we call civil service or, or HR calls civil service and says we need a list and they deliver it to us, and that there's not necessarily we're not going to actually send the applications out right away in some cases. No. So ahead of signing the list, there could be another three or four months. Uh, when you sign the list, that starts the application of the background process. And then it's dependent on whether we can get you through all of the check marks you have to check off and into an academy. So I know um, our current academy, I didn't think we were going to have access to any available slots. But because we had somebody on float, um, we actually had access to one. But we had 12 candidates in the last class on day one uh, and the, because of COVID the class was cut down from 40 to 25 right? other departments are going to need to get slots too so uh, with this next requisition we're probably not going to get into our academy which means we either have to defer until the next academy which is a minimum of six months out or send them to an academy somewhere else in the state and then if we do that depending on what academy we select then we have to possibly board them, which, you know, you worked with me on the last group that we had to do that with. That's a yeah. nightmare. Yes. Uh, it's a nightmare, and it's expensive. And so, yeah, and, you know, the academies right now are, the minute that they open slots, three months before the academy it's okay. filled, you know, and especially since they're going down to that 24, 25 when they're cutting in half which makes it extremely difficult for everybody to use that because our local academy is Springfield. Right. So they share with, you know, the Springfield area in addition to all Western Mass and, and even and beyond. Know, Franklin County too, yeah. And well, so that that's one of the things that um, I don't think most of our listeners or viewers are probably aware of. So the Municipal Police Training Committee runs all of the academies, including the municipal the State Police Municipal Academy out at the State Police Academy when that is in session and all of the satellite recruit officer academies and then all of the satellite specialized training academies because some academies don't do basic officer classes. They just do veteran officer classes. But I think at last count, if we include Fitchburg, I think there's nine satellite basic officer academies right now. And Although they're separated geographically, they're not limited geographically. So any department in the Commonwealth that needs to get a police officer trained can send their candidate to any academy as long as they can figure out a way that they can they can be on time and complete all the necessary training. So even as far back as when I went through the academy, I had two classmates from the islands. Right? They, they were from Edgartown and Vineyard Haven, and they partnered up and essentially they rented one of the just most disastrous dirtiest little apartments i've ever seen in my life but it was three blocks away from the academy right and so they essentially extended their college life and were living in an off-campus apartment and eating ramen noodles but that's what they had to do and we were blessed to have them because we went through a winter academy back in you know Back when it was a real academy, back in my time. And they didn't think anything about telling us that we were going to have evening training, unscheduled evening training, and then have to be back at 6 o'clock, 6.30 in the morning for PT. And there was a couple times when the weather was so bad, we just went and crashed at their apartment. So we could we'd keep an extra set of uniforms in the cruiser and just go sleep on their floor so we could make sure we could make it back on time. Yep. Well, that was where, you know, in my class, back when I went to the academy, 
uh, 16 years ago, Weymouth was open. I, I got shipped to Weymouth. So, you know, we're not, like you said, only in the Springfield Academy. You know, I went all the way out east, stayed in Hull when they where rented we, an apartment. Where did we board you? In Hull, 20 minutes away from Weymouth. Yeah. And, you know, me and two other officers, uh, Officer Stein and Officer Garner, went out there and, you know, we, we stayed there for the entire time, Sunday night through Friday afternoon. You know, lived out there and then came back for the weekend. So that was on the old Naval Air Station, South Weymouth, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. The academy was in the bowling alley. Yes. So. I I got when I was a brand new staff instructor, my first class at the Western Mass Academy, our class did driving evoc at South Weymouth at the academy with the troopers that were out there on the airstrip. And because I was the only staff instructor without kids. I, so they had to stay out there, right? They couldn't commute back and forth from Feeding Hills to South Weymouth. So they put them in the barracks with police corps back when that was a thing. And I had to go stay with them. I had to live in the dorm with my cadets, with my student officers for a week while they did EVOC. That place was a hellhole. Yeah. They took advantage of the runways because all we did yeah. was run. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's a lot of runways yeah. and a lot of area just to run, run, so, run, run. We'll, we'll have to do like a, a deep dive historically into training in the Commonwealth. So the police corps was there for several years, and I remember going out there. So police corps, they were a running. It was like ROTC for police officers, and they were a running and gunning group. And the ROC Academy director felt like he was in direct competition with the police corps academy director so you guys paid the price and when we got out there you know there, i'm a sergeant who's assigned to an academy as a staff instructor and they're greeting us and talking to us like we're cadets like a pt i'm not PTing with you get out of here <laughs> all right it is 9 30 today is friday march 5th 2021 we have been talking about police selection and background checks uh, sergeant mazio and i've been chatting which means officer garrapi has been sitting here quietly so I we're gonna the backgrounds <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna get another check of the weather and some psas i think a new promo and then we'll come back and we'll shift gears and we'll talk to uh recruitment and selection WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Today, partly sunny. Cold with highs in the mid-twenties. West wind 15 to 20 miles per hour with gusts up to 35 miles per hour. Wind chill values as low as 4 below. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Scattered snow showers in the evening. Cold with lows around 11. Northwest wind 15 to 20 miles per hour with gusts up to 30 miles per hour. Diminishing to around 10 miles per hour after midnight. Chance of snow 30%. Wind chill values as low as 2 below, Saturday, partly sunny in the morning, then becoming mostly cloudy. Cold with highs in the mid-twenties. Northwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts up to 25 miles per hour. Wind chill values as low as 3 below. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Hi, this is Chief Michael Wynn of the Pittsfield Police Department. And Lieutenant Gary Traversa. The Pittsfield Police Department is encouraging anyone interested in becoming a Pittsfield Police Officer to register for the 2021 Municipal Police Officer Exam. As a civil service department, this is the first step required to join our team. We are seeking motivated, eligible individuals who desire a rewarding and adventure-filled career serving the residents of Pittsfield. Detailed application information is available on the web at mass.gov backslash civil service. The application deadline is April 20th, 
with a late registration window open until May 4th. Exam fees range from $100 to $200. Candidates who pass the exam are placed on the eligible list and ranked by score. The Pittsfield Police Department will use that list to fill vacant positions in 2021 and 2022. So take the first step in joining the Pittsfield Police Department by going to mass.gov backslash civil service. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair. BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people we support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. Good morning. Welcome back. Thank you again for joining us for another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. We are joined in studio this morning again by Sergeant John Mazio, who's been speaking with me about our background investigation and selection process. Now we're going to shift gears a little bit, and we're going to invite Officer Sean Garropy to jump into the conversation, because with a announced civil service municipal police officer, campus police officer, state police officer test out there and the deadline pending, uh, in the era of COVID, we can't have a recruiting expo. So we've had to shift a little bit, pivot, and get kind of creative about how we get the word out there that, one, we have openings for police officers, and we're looking for highly qualified candidates for police officers, and we want you to sign up and take the test, and we want to help you be successful in taking the test. So um, Officer Garapy, who I said in the intro, wears many hats. He has jumped in with both feet to help out the cops unit, cops bureau, with how we how we approach getting people interested in coming to work for the PPD in 2021. Yeah, I think it's uh, obviously it's an interesting time to try to recruit, and then you add COVID into it. We, we would normally do the, the hiring fair, just kind of expose people to what you know working in Pittsfield is like and what we have to offer as a career. So without being able to do that, we're trying to figure out different ways to get the message out there, social media. We're trying to set up a virtual job fair of some sort, possibly. Um, but when you're talking about recruiting to be a police officer, it's it's kind of a hard thing to do when we're a civil service department. So when you guys are talking about the, the year-long process you sign, you might not get to an academy, get on your own. You need to add a bunch of the front end of that, too, of you could sign up for this test, and you know test happens in June or July or whenever it's scheduled. And if you don't get picked off the list until the very end of it, that the list could last for two years. I, in my personal experience, I signed up for the test I got a card from Pittsfield probably about a, a week before that list expired. So it's a it's an interesting job to try to recruit for. Most of the people I would say that sign up for it are people that are interested in it to begin with. If someone that has family in law enforcement or already has the interest going into it, they're gonna know the test is out there. So how do we attract people that might not you know, have that initial interest already that expose them to the fact that this is a good career, good benefits, and you know something that they might be interested in? It, not only that, so, um well, two things related to civil service. It is not uncommon for me to get a, a message or an email in the office from somebody who is in law enforcement elsewhere, and they're just like, you know, seeing what you're doing, really interested, be interested in coming to work with you. And our first response is, are you Massachusetts civil service eligible? And they have no idea what we're talking about, mm -hmm. right? Civil service is has been around 
in the Commonwealth since the 30s. But it really is something that people elsewhere in the country don't are familiar with and they don't understand. And it boggles people's minds that the city of Pittsfield cannot recruit and select candidates who aren't on that list. And we don't have any control over the test, right? It's a state-administered and, and um, offered test. And only after the test is graded and scored do we get to start talking to these people. So it's very important, and it's one of the things that we've done in the last several years, that we change the pool of people going in to take the test, right? It, we, we need to expand who's taking the test so we can get a more diverse pool on our list. But the other thing that I think is a huge misperception, and you just said this, how do, how do we convince people who don't have a knowledge of law enforcement, who aren't in, their families aren't in law enforcement? And this is the one that I think probably has caused me the most concern in the last couple of years, who are not in school for criminal justice. Because there's this persistent belief out there that if I want to be a police officer, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to take CJ, I'm going to get my, my CJ degree in four years, and while I'm taking that degree, I'll sign up for the civil service exam, and that's the path to success. And while there are many, many people who have followed that path and been very successful, I'm going to tell you right now, a four-year CJ degree does not make you any better prepared to take that test than, than a degree in anything else. And so that's one of the reasons that a few years ago when we were in contract negotiations, uh, we were looking at the education incentive that we are able to offer our people. We expanded what what we will incentivize people for coming on with the agree, degree for. And I'm not knocking criminal justice, right? If, if that's your, in your wheelhouse, by all means do that. But I've said before, my undergraduate degree is in English literature and American studies. I didn't go to school to be a police officer. I came to this career because I was unable to commission in the military and my federal law enforcement stuff didn't work out at the time. So although I'm very proud of my career here, that wasn't my, path, my plan or my path. If you've got a degree in sociology, psychology, we say, you know, pretty much any liberal arts, um, social work, don't don't think that you can't be successful. And, you know, after 2020 and in light of police reform, I'm telling you, if you've got a diverse skill set and a diverse mm -hmm. attitude and mindset, you're going to be able to be successful in this career. Um we need to bring people with different education and experiences and ideas into this profession. If you know, people are calling for police improvement, police reform, okay, we can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And while CJ education has some value, any higher education has value. And I'll go a step farther than that. I think we talked about this a little bit a, a couple months ago, Lieutenant. Even if you don't have the education, yes, uh, you know, we talked about that before the break. That's going to um, it's going to disadvantage you a little bit when it comes to our salary, but we can make that up on overtime. If you got skill skills in the trades, we got work for you too, right? Some some of my most valuable learning opportunities as a police commander have come when I've been in an operations room or a briefing room with carpenters, Detective Harrington, right? How much stuff did we rely on him for operationally? Um, plumbers, I've told the story before about somebody sitting quietly in the back of the briefing room who solved the problem for us, you know, in two sentences because we're thinking about big tactical operations and they know the plumbing thing, right? In conversation with somebody recently, I think 
I think in their previous career, they were um, not a carpenter, but a home builder. And I, I said something, and they're like, no, you'd be able to tell that just by looking at the layout of the building. Like, if this window is here, that's that. I rem- remember going to um, tactical planning school when I was with the team and learning how to look at the exterior of a house and tell definitively where the bathroom is. Like, that's a big deal if you're planning a drug raid. So, Yeah, I, th- I was going to mention you brought up your degree. We've had very successful people in the department that have reached up into the command staff with, you know, English majors, people think police is, you know, running and gunning and fun and excitement all day, but you got to write a report at the end of it. We've had our issues with recruits that can't write, and that's just as bad as people that can't handle stress. So, you know, if if you go to school for any liberal arts, if you do English writing, anything like that, there's there's definitely a place for you in police work. People are writing, you know, like Sergeant Maggio has written, how long are the search warrants you have to write for houses, you know? No, affidavits. 20, 30, 50, 100 pages. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're talking wiretap investigations, yeah. you're 200 pages. I mean, you, you need to like English, you need to be able to write. You need to be able to communicate effectively. So even if you're in a communications field, anything like that, it's CJ degree is great, and Pittsfield has outstanding benefits as far as education goes. You know, we, I think, originally mirrored the Quinn bill, but education incentive is written into our contract. So if you have, you know, even a certain number of credits up to an associate's, a bachelor's, or a master's degree, the pay increases are substantial, and that's where we make up ground on other departments that could offer, you know, possibly a higher base salary. In the long run, Pittsfield offers a, a great package um, and pay if you uh, if you're willing to go get a degree. And I think one of the biggest things too that you know, which was lost in the past with our um, education incentive with the tuition reimbursement, now is back in there at a at a smaller amount. Smaller but amount. Still there. Right. A thousand dollars a semester you can get towards credits for your tuition. You know, you're talking. You know, fifteen percent for associates, twenty percent for bachelors, thirty percent for masters, and you could do it at your own pace. Pay some money, or let the department pay it. Taking one course a semester, you can earn that, and that's money in your in your pocket that you know you're going to have eventually. So, you know, having that ability to do it and not having to pay twenty thousand dollars out of your pocket for a degree is is huge. So not only that, and this is one of the things that when I talk to other chiefs, they're like, how do, how do you set that up? So, you know, we have the the education incentives based on your associates, your bachelors, your masters, but we also, as Officer Garrett, you said, have you know small. I think it starts with six credits, yeah, right? It's, you get it's not you, many. you earn six credits. We start to show you a little bit of a bump, and um, but we don't. That's not on and after. So we roll that into your base. So every time you check off enough credits, you check off a degree. Not only does that affect your your hourly wage, it affects your overtime rate. Right. And so your OT rate goes up at the same time your hourly rate goes up, which is how some of our people who came in with either they were short of their degree or they had no degree are able to so you know you work a couple details with the idea that I'm going to take that thousand dollars a semester plus my details and put it towards my education fairly quickly. You can get up to that fifteen percent, and then you can slow down a little bit and take your time. Um, and well, a thousand dollars a semester may not sound like much, it, you know, a thousand dollars a semester. And actually, we we recognize three semesters a year, right? So mm-hmm. you could theoretically go straight through the summer term. Um, you can make significant progress towards your degree with that, and so. Especially at a local place like BCC, right. that shout, nearly cover. Up. Shout out to Berkshire yeah. Community College. My right. wife thinks you shut. <laughs> so the thousand dollars will nearly, you know, that'll cover a substantial portion of doing a couple classes. Then you work your way up, like you said, to the fifteen. Then you use that pay increase to pay for your bachelor, reach you the twenty. Use that pay increase to get your master's for a thirty percent increase over base, Great. tacked on with all the other benefits that we offer um, for different sorts of certifications, training, 
bilingual EMT certifications, as a patrolman, you can substantially increase your base pay up to 40 to 50% over base pretty quickly. Um, and it's a substantial pay raise. Uh, so this, it, the, the incentive package that's in place for patrolmen now is when you take everything into account, including EMT, bilingual, instructor, um, field training officer, it's significantly better than it was when I was a patrol officer. But just so you know, you understand the, the dramatic difference. In the year that I made sergeant, I also completed my master's degree. So I came on with a bachelor's degree. I was getting the bachelor's degree in center for that. I made sergeant, so that was a significant bump at the time because our sergeant's pay at the time was tied into the highest level of patrolman. As a result of making sergeant, I went to midnights, so I got my night differential, and I finished my master's degree. In one, it was all within a very short period of time. In one pay period, my base salary increased fifty-one percent. Well, I got the breathalyzer cert, right? So, boom, fifty-one percent, essentially in a two-week period. That's unheard of. So, I mean, and, just, and that's what some people may not know too. With you know, with our department being a bigger department, we have a lot of supervisor positions. We have a lot of special assignment positions compared to other you know places. So you're looking at an increase of pay, potentially three years on the job, you're eligible to take the sergeant's test. You you get thirty four percent increase, thirty percent for a sergeant and four percent for the breathalyzer. That, you know, that's on top of if you have a degree. I mean that's that's a huge increase in pay. And these positions are not, you know, some places one, two here, there. I mean, a lot of supervisors, you know, almost twenty between command staff and, and and sergeants. Yeah, so. I'm going to take uh, all this one step further, and it, you know, at the risk of being criticized because our our positions are are publicly funded. Um, but with that being said, this is a job that has to be done. It's very demanding, and you know, the fact that it still comes with a pension is an attractive, uh, you know, benefit. So. That raise that you talk about that you get for, you know, whatever incentive it may be, language, EMT, um, you know, rank, that is a raise for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And that, that's something that one of the, the Pittsfield captains told me in the academy. I, you know, I went into the academy, I had a bachelor's degree, and during one of the breaks of, of a class he was teaching, he said, hey, you know, go get your master's. I was like, yeah, you know, eventually he said, listen, no, go get your master's. It's a raise for the rest of your life. You know, so that's the, you have to think about that part of it, too. Yep. And I'm, I'm glad you said it, too, with the pension. I mean, a lot of that stuff sometimes, because people don't think about it until they're ready to retire, you know, that they have that money. It's not always in the, in the front of their mind when they get hired. But, you know, we have, we have the ability, you do 32 years of service, you make 80% of what your three highest years are in the department. I mean, there's not any place except for, you know, municipal places or state, you know, jobs, and, you know, federal federal side. But to get a pension that's going to pay you like that, you know, every private employer or things like that, if, you know, you go to another career, you're responsible for that, IRAs and, you know, other 401Ks and all that stuff. So that's something that is a huge benefit for getting into a municipal job like like the our department and, you know, and, for our city and it's also a huge incentive to stay absolutely <laughs> the longevity. You know, yeah you, you can't you know dismiss that portion of it either you know I, and i don't want to make this 
I don't want to make this all about the money and the benefits, but you can't ignore it, right? I mean, if you're young and you're getting ready to start your career, you have to consider those things. So, you know, our our health insurance benefit is, mm-hmm. you know, yes, we complain when they're going to adjust our percentages, but it's still better than anything that's out there in the private sector for the most part. Um, we already talked about the educational incentive. Professional development, right? Those, those of us who come into this and said, I'm going to take advantage of training opportunities. I, I, I have received the benefit of so many opportunities to travel and train for defensive tactics and use of force and SWAT, uh, as, as well as a lot of the um, supervisory and management stuff. And then the intangible about it. I have traveled to so many parts of this country as a result of my ability to sign up to go take training. And we've talked about uh, the opportunity to travel to Israel. For police training right? is, is so people come into it and like well i don't want to stay on the road and direct traffic like, you got to think big right um you know sergeant mazio and i had the opportunity to go to the white house mm-hmm. right and get briefed in in the by the white house communications staff and think about that when i became a police officer right i thought i was going to be answering calls for service yeah, exactly so there's there's a lot of opportunity that comes with this job all right, so what should we uh, be telling prospective candidates? What's What do they need to be doing? What do they need to be looking for? Well, I mean, it, you know, as far as the civil service stuff, go to, you know, mass.gov, go to civil service. They have all the information on their website there. Um, you have, they say the, dep- the applications are accepted until April 20th of this year. They do, have, they do um, accept them after that for a late fee. Um, but it looks like testing is going to be starting Saturday, June 12th, and it's going to continue. I don't know if it's going to be one day like they traditionally do or because of COVID they may do multiple dates. But when you go to their website, they got a lot of information on there, exactly what the requirements are, you know, your minimum age. You can apply when you're 19, but, you know, you can't be hired until you're 21. Um, and there's also ways to prepare for the test. Um, when you look in there, you know, some people get intimidated. Well, it's a test, and, you know, you're being graded, and, it's not anything you need to study for. It's not anything you need to have, you know, police knowledge for. It's it's, it's just common it's knowledge. It's common knowledge. And it's, you know, your ability to write, you know, your written ability uh, part of the test, your work styles questionnaire, and a life experience survey. So, you know, if you've survived in life so far, you can answer these questions. And, you know, my advice to it is you get a certain amount of time to do these tests. Don't don't rush through the test. You know, take your time. Read the questions. Don't just jot down answers. You know, read them fully. They're they're looking for those little tricks in there. They're not. You know, they're making sure that you're attentive, that you're you're looking at details and you're and you're thinking, and that's going to be your success. Don't run out there after a half an hour and think that you did well. You know, unless you're a very good test taker and can do that, but. Take the time, look over the stuff, and you have more success that way. So you you hit a couple of points that I just want to emphasize. The, the first thing is, for prospective police officers, not just for Pittsfield, but for any municipality, particularly those municipalities that are still civil service, your your job application starts with that test. So a couple of things that the sergeant kind of hit on: attention to detail is very important for a police officer, and it starts when you're taking that test. Um, critical thinking, right? The ability to look at something and not just come up with 
a solution, but analyze it to come up with the best solution, which as we've talked about on our previous programs, as we move into our integrating communications assessment and tactics, and we're asking our police officers to think more broadly of their contingency planning, that that's something that's going to be measured. Uh, you know, critical thinking, creative thinking, and thoroughness, right? So that stay there until you get it done. That's going to get measured on the test. It's going to get measured again when you fill in our application, right? Attention to detail, uh, following instructions as specified. It's going to get tested again in the academy, and it's going to get tested again in field training. And like the sergeant's saying, take your time and, and come up with the best answer. Because problem solving and creative thinking or critical thinking is probably next to communications are the two most fundamental things that a police officer needs. Yes, you know, do we need to teach you to, to wrestle and grapple and drive and shoot? Yep, but we can teach you that. This stuff that the sergeant was alluding to, you got to bring that to the game. And if you can't do those things, you can't be successful in this profession. Yeah. Yep. And, I, and on that note, too, I mean, you know, obviously there's a cost associated with it. Mm -hmm. um, it's $150 to take the test. But there are waivers that you yeah. can do for so, for certain situations. So the lieutenant and I debated whether we were going to include that in the um, PSA that we recorded, and it got cut. So just to emphasize that, yes, there is fee waiver assistance available from the Commonwealth. If you have a hardship, you just have to. It's another form you have to fill out when you go in there. If you think that the test fee is going to be is going to eliminate you. Ask for the waiver, right? We don't want somebody who can't come up with 150 bucks to let that be the limiting factor. Yeah, I would just add the union is trying to explore ways to cover or help cover costs also. And um, when you sign up for the test, you'll get a testing site. I think when I took it, it was in Springfield. Some people got Worcester. So there is a travel issue for some people too. Um, but if you have any questions about that, just reach out to the department. Um, either me or Sergeant Mazzi or somebody involved in recruitment could help you out with that. Um, trying to go with a solution, possibly. Yeah, I, you know, Sean, I, got, I have to give you credit for that because I know you haven't come up with a solution yet, but you've been working on this hard for a year now. Yeah. In you know, the Pittsfield Police Officers Union, the Patrol Officers Union, IBPO 447, last spring when things were starting to um, erupt nationally with calls for police reform, Officer Garapi, in his role as the union president, came to my office and said, we want to get in front of this. Um, we want to diversify our workforce. We want to open eligibility and opportunity up to more people. How can we help? And, uh, you know, so there was no scholarships last year. So essentially, Sean identified a, a pool of money that ordinarily would have been um, distributed to scholarships he's like somehow we're going to figure out a way to make this available to people who want to be pittsfield police officers it's because we're a municipal entity and we can't just like give money away and give gifts it's the the actual distribution has presented some challenges mm -hmm. but we've spoken to some community partners and you know we'll if you have if you have a hardship and you need some help ask us if we can figure out a way to make it work on a case-by-case -case basis we can do that too I just want to stress too before we uh, we cl we get into the closing here that this test comes around every two years. Mm -hmm. So if you're out there you're thinking about a career change or you're you know 20 years old and you think, well, I'll wait, I'll wait the next time. I'll you know do something else or I'll think about it. It as we have discussed and, and it takes a while to to get into the job. By the time you you know you take the test, you go through the 
the different aspects of the application process, it could be, you know, two years or more. So, um, you know, if you're thinking you're going to put it off to the next time, you're talking four years. So, um, you know, if this is for our viewers and listeners, if this is anything that you're, you're thinking about or you know somebody who's thinking about uh, police work as a profession, uh, please, um, you know, take the initiative this year. I should know this, but I haven't kept been paying attention. You just said the minimum age is 19. Is there a maximum age to take the test? I know there's no maximum age except for retirement to go to the so academy. So there is a maximum age it looked like as 32, but it's only if it's recognized by municipal. And I know yeah. we're the department mm -hmm. that doesn't doesn't have an upper age, right. um, but there is. It does say that on there, but it's um, municipal, you know, specific. It's Lo so it's a local option. Yeah. Yep. You usually and, see the one or two in the academy that are in their late 40s or oh, yeah. 50 years old. It's, I had a it's 60, interesting. I had a 62-year-old in my first academy as a staff instructor. <laughs> yep. Tom. Yeah, right. <laughs> God bless. Yeah. Um, he's, oh, sorry. He's retired now. God bless Tom Osley. One thing I do want to mention, because this is one of the, the biggest parts of our recruitment and uh, selection, and, and it, it starts now with people that really want to be in this career and want to take this test. Um there's a physical aspect. Oh, you know, yeah. our job is physically demanding, no matter how you, how you, how you put it. There's two physical tests that are conducted, and one's, one's a physical abilities, agility test that the state sets up. You can go to mass.gov, HRD, look up that. It's a, it's a course. Um, that one's not the limiting one for the most part. Our limiting one is the new MPTC PT standards that's um, on the Cooper standards. So if you go to mass.gov, MPTC, look at what, it, what you need to be to be in the academy. It's based on the 30th percentile for the Cooper standards. Look up the Cooper standards. And by age group, 20 to 29, 30 to 39, 40, 49, and up. And by gender, there's a requirement for you to do a certain amount of sit-ups in a minute, a certain you know 300-meter run, a, a amount of push-ups in a minute, and then a mile-and-a-half run. We find more candidates that are unsuccessful in our hiring process because of that and are unable to get into the academy than anything else that we have. And that's something where you can start now to do that because it comes up very early in our hiring process right. to, to get people going to make sure that they're able to attend the academy. All right. Officer Garrett, your final thoughts? Uh, something that me and Lieutenant Traversa discussed uh, mentioning was, and you touched on it, lateral transfers into the department. In the last contract, we did negotiate that people transferring in from full-time service in other departments, we match um, some of the benefit packages. So you're not coming in. If you were to transfer in, you're not going to come in at the bottom of our pay scale. Or After your like probation, that. you come in with your years of service. Right. So that's so. Uh, you don't have to worry about that. If it feels something you're interested in coming to, I transferred from another department. Uh, a few other people have since I've been here. I can answer any questions you have about that as well. Awesome. We only have 30 seconds left, so I'm not going to go through the whole cultural Pittsfield newsletter. I will say that the month of March is Downtown Pittsfield Restaurant Month. Support your local downtown restaurants. Give them a plug in a uh, social media post and tag them. Tag Downtown Pittsfield, Inc. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning for another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD. Tune in next week and join us for another new episode. I'm going to be calling in because I'll be off-site. Until next week, be well, be kind. We're 10-8.